Top stories of the week. Australia loses its mind over a woman not smiling. And Putin's putting it to Ukraine. Also, Tennis Australia polices fashion. This is News Weekly. And maybe she didn't smile because she has like a crooked front tooth. I, I mean, I do that sometimes. My name is Sammy Shah, and welcome to News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. We're still telling women to smile more news now. The threat of Omicron seems to be decreasing across Australia, as evidenced by the fact that the entire country spent all of this week fighting about whether or not a woman should smile more. Australian of the Year Grace Tame has ended her tenure with a controversial appearance with the Prime Minister. Apparently, the threat of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the potential for a third vaccination becoming mandatory across Australia, Victoria facing once-in-a-century levels of rainfall, and the entirety of the Australian Open was not interesting enough to stop the Australian media, politicians and cultural commentators from devoting days of their lives to lecturing Grace Tame on smiling more or celebrating her for not smiling at all. If looks could kill, outgoing Australian of the Year Grace Tame couldn't even try to hold back her disdain for Scott Morrison. Her fiancé kept his sunnies on and chewing gum in, and while there was a hint of civility for Jenny Morrison, the crushing awkwardness lingered. 20 painful seconds capped off a bitter year between the pair. See, over the last year, Grace Tame has made her contempt for the Prime Minister quite clear. It started after he made a statement about the alleged rape of Brittany Higgins. Jenny and I spoke last night and she said to me, you have to think about this as a father first. Grace was asked about Jenny and the girls as reminded of Scott Morrison that rape is bad, to which she responded, It shouldn't take having children to have a conscience. And actually, on top of that, having children doesn't guarantee a conscience. And it only got worse after that. Over the rest of the year, Grace Tame called out Scott Morrison for reading excerpts from private letters sent to him by sexual abuse survivors for telling women in the Women's March they should be grateful they weren't being shot at as they would in other countries and for appointing Amanda Stoker as the Assistant Minister for Women. So, Grace Tame, who also has autism, side-eyeing the Prime Minister at this final photo op together shouldn't have come as a surprise to anyone. Which means, of course, everyone lost their collective minds. Prompting a government senator to label her childish, saying she should hand back the honour. That's Senator James McGrath, who resigned from Boris Johnson's mayoral administration in 2008 for making racist comments, paid a disgruntled Labour staffer in 2011 to find dirt on government MPs, and in 2019 told children protesting climate change to get jobs. Apparently, he thinks the honour Tame received was Prime Minister's Australian of the Year, and not, you know, just Australian of the Year. Also, she was literally handing her honour over to the next Australian of the Year at the event. Peter Van Onselen took time out of defending Christian Porter to write a column about how Grace Tame should never have gone to the event, which generated controversy when he was on The Project the next day. Uh, it seems to have made 
a few men uncomfortable, including you, PVO, mm. who felt the need to write an article today um, telling Grace how you believe she should have acted today. First of all, why do you feel the need to tell Grace how she should have behaved? But second of all, why should she stand there and smile and pretend it's all OK when there is an absolute catastrophe oh, I, on I the I didn't cards think she here. should stand there and smile and pretend it's OK. I just thought she shouldn't go. Uh, if you can't be polite in some form, then I just think don't go. Except then, if she hadn't gone, Peter Van Onselen would have written a column how not going was rude and she should have at least gone. Maybe we shouldn't be getting our opinions from people paid by the word to write them every week. The thing is, this has gone exactly the way you'd predict it would. The left has lauded Tame as a hero and pointed out her right to not pay anything but the bare minimum of respect to the Prime Minister, a right she does as an Australian have. Like that time an old man called Tony Abbott a dickhead. Morning, sir. How are you? Dickhead. Oh, really? <laughs> or when bushfire survivors refused to shake Scott Morrison's hand. Oh, How are you? I'm only shaking your hand if you give more funding to our RFS. Uh, you're an idiot, mate. You really are. Any votes down here, buddy. Or the firefighter who called him a fuckhead. You from the media, tell the Prime Minister to go and get from Nelligan. We really enjoy doing this head. And on the right, she's been criticised for not being respectful enough. Here's alleged canine enthusiast Chris Kenny on Sky News on his second day of attacking Grace Tame's behaviour. Now, what about Grace Tame? I just mentioned her. I had the first crack at this topic yesterday and it's gone off all right. Check the time on your watch, remember, when Tony Abbott checked the time on his watch when Julia Gillard was speaking and he was branded a misogynist. But if you go out of your way to show disdain and hatred towards a coalition prime minister... Apparently, you're a hero. Do you really want to be bringing up Tony Abbott as an example of someone who was undeservedly called a misogynist? Really? The guy who was so misogynistic that even the British government couldn't deny his reputation was well-earned when they were appointing him as a trade advisor? I'm sure you don't support some of his comments. He's a homophobe and he's a misogynist. Well, uh, he's also an expert in uh, trade. So one plays off against the other? Really? Is that really what you're saying, Health Secretary? Come on. That's like saying you can't accept the left criticising Scott Morrison because the left also criticised Godzilla for stopping Mothra, even though Godzilla did wipe out half of Neo-Tokyo while doing it. That analogy makes sense. Just don't think about it. So why exactly did Grace Tame do what she did? Well, here's Sky News political editor Andrew Clennell speaking to Chris Smith. It's another moment for him which doesn't look great. Uh, like you say, it might backfire in, in some ways. People might feel some sympathy for Scott Morrison, but a lot of other people will just remind him of the whole issue and, and missteps by the Prime Minister along the way. And that's important to note, that Thames's decision to not smile might have reminded people of the failures of this government in making actual progress on women's issues. Failures the government's own former Assistant Minister for Women, Amanda Stoker, seems to have forgotten about. And the facts are that we have delivered more to protect the safety of women, the cause that she um, professes to fight for, um, than any other government previous. Um, 
If I were her, I'd be going to give the Prime Minister a hug. <laughs> Except those facts aren't exactly right. Here's a fact that is. Of the 55 recommendations by, made by the landmark Respect at Work report, the Morrison government voted down 49 of those and only accepted six. Grace Stame herself wasn't invited to the government-held Women's Safety Summit last year. It's been so bad that even Sky News' political editor kind of sort of sees Grace Stame's point on this. I think in the last year, when you look at it in general, he's gone from cracked mirror to cracked mirror to disaster mm. to bad luck. Everything has fallen badly for him. You'd have to say a lot of it's self-inflicted, yeah, though, yeah. and I think that's his, his problem, whether it's... And we're talking about two years now, and I think Australians were giving Scott Morrison a break a lot of times, you know? Like, it's a tough job. Mm. I mean, none of us would like to do it, quite yeah. frankly. But he goes, it's, it's, you know, I don't hold a hose. It's not a race. Uh, on the rats, uh, the rapid antigen tests. Uh, even when he had a crack at me and made a few other mistakes on the women's issue, got up in Parliament saying, you know, in other countries those protesters get shot. Mm. It's just kind of one gaffe after another. Yeah, and too slow in terms of policy reaction to a lot of issues. Always behind the eight ball, JobKeeper was late. Vaccines were late, rapid antigen tests were late, uh, reaction of the fires was late, and now you've you've got the situation where small business needs some support out of these outbreaks, and and he's leaving it to the, the states. states to do that. Yeah, yeah. So it's just the same mistake every time, and you get marked down. Yeah. And on the same day that Grace Stame not smiling was the top news story on commercial networks across Australia, the ABC reported on a police appeal for help in finding missing aerial skier Brittany George. The police also confirmed that nine-year-old Charlize Mutton, who was found dead in a barrel, was shot, and a man was charged with the murder of his wife and six-year-old daughter. It's enough to make anyone forget to smile. Ukraine in the membrane news now. Nostalgic remakes of 80s hits are all the rage right now. The new Ghostbusters movie did well at the box office and there's been a return of He-Man, She-Ra and even the Thundercats. So of course it's time to also revive that classic from every Gen Xer's childhood, the Cold War. Tensions between Russia and the West are growing rapidly. A Russian military buildup is visible on the ground and from the air. That's right, it's Russia versus America, with the whole world hanging in the balance. In this corner, in the red shorts, a Vladimir Putin who wants Ukraine back in Russia. With the 1991 breakup of the Soviet Union, Russia lost control of 14 former republics it had previously dominated. But the loss of Ukraine was the bitterest pill. The two had been linked since the 9th century and speak closely related languages. Putin has said Russians and Ukrainians were one people who shared a single historic and spiritual space. That historic and spiritual space includes a genocide against Ukrainians carried out by the Soviet Union in 1932 and 33, which resulted in around 3.9 million Ukrainians dying of starvation. The result is that Ukrainians might not feel that same connection to Russia that Putin wants Russians to feel to them. This poll is from September last year, showing 81% of Ukrainians saying they have a negative attitude about Putin. Or there's this statement from Ukraine's president. We have everyone's full and permanent support, support by Ukraine's international partners, by Europe and United States in particular. 
It's kind of like when you break up with someone by cheating on them, then call them up in the middle of the night three years later because you're drunk and tell them you miss them, and they go, hey, fuck you, you cheated on me and said my mother's breath stinks, and you scratched your name on my car, and you say, yeah, I know, what good times we had together. You want to do it again? The other problem is Russia is feeling the increasing presence of NATO on its borders. While Ukraine is not a NATO member, it has a promise it will eventually get to join. Since toppling a pro-Russian president in 2014, it has moved closer to the West and staged joint military exercises with NATO. The thing is, Putin says NATO promised this wouldn't happen. And you don't want to break a promise you made to Putin. He takes that stuff personally. Like, he'll send you radioactive isotopes in your letterbox, kind of personally. We won't move one inch towards the east, they told us in the 1990s. And what happened? They deceived us. They brazenly tricked us. Even the translator sounded pissed off. So why now? Why is Putin feeling like this is the perfect time to invade Ukraine? The state of the West. Bruno Massais is of the Hudson Institute and he's tweeted, I think two developments shaped Putin's decision to intensify the conflict, the Afghanistan debacle and Merkel's departure. Some argue America's unilateral withdrawal from Afghanistan demonstrated a lack of Western unity. But the West didn't act as one in Afghanistan, nor is it doing so in Ukraine. The US is sending military hardware to Ukraine, Germany isn't. The head of the German Navy resigned after saying, giving Putin respect is low cost, even no cost. It's easy to give him the respect he demands and probably deserves. So one side of the great powers got screwed up by involving itself in Afghanistan and Germany is being soft on Russia. This is the 1980s and the 1930s both happening at the same time. It's flappers meets big hair. Boy George meets Louis Armstrong. Look, the world may come to an end, but damn it, the music and fashion's gonna be fun. Double fold for Tennis Australia news now. The Australian Open may have opened with controversy with the whole Djokovic saga, but now that that's behind them, the administration of Tennis Australia can finally focus on just some good, clean tennis. The Australian Open has found itself at the centre of another controversy, confiscating banners and T-shirts supporting the Chinese tennis star Peng Shui. Activists wore T-shirts asking where is Peng Shui, the Chinese tennis star who disappeared after making sexual assault allegations against a retired vice premier. No one has yet checked to see if the T-shirts were themselves made in China. The Australian Open has declared it doesn't allow clothing, banners or signs that are commercial or political. The problem is, it's the commercial part of that which dictates what's political. Here's Sky News' Peter Stefanovic explaining Tennis Australia's commercial links to China with some standard casual racism thrown in for good effect. But here's the real story. If you've watched the tournament, you've seen those 1573 logos. That, my friends is one of the Open's main sponsors, which is a Chinese state-owned brand. Tennis Australia has a reported five-year, $100 million contract with the Chinese liquor company Luzhou Laozhou, one of China's largest producers of the country's signature white spirit Baijiu, which no one here drinks, 
or, as it turns out, pronounces correctly. Actually, given that more than 1.2 million people of Chinese heritage live in Australia, I'm sure some of them drink it and know how to pronounce it. Also, Australians aren't the only people who watch the Australian Open. This might be shocking to Sky News, which is only watched by your racist dad, but the Australian Open has a massive international audience, particularly in Asia. But the point remains, does the Australian Open censor criticism of China because of sponsorship? About face at the Australian Open. On Tuesday, Tennis Australia reversing its ban on t-shirts, drawing attention to Chinese player Peng Shuai. It seems like much like the Djokovic saga, the Australian Open can be counted on to make the right choice once it's being globally shamed for making the wrong one. Meanwhile, the Prime Minister has been dragged into more China-related controversy, as detailed by this Sky News reporter in the middle of an asthma attack. The PM's profile on China's largest social media website, WeChat, rebranded. Suddenly, it's pushing the communist nation's propaganda machine. It's a Beijing mouthpiece under the name Australia Chinese New Life. The social media platform is widely used among the Chinese-Australian community and will be vital as the election hots up. Someone get this guy a PCR test before he passes out. What happened to Donkey Kong news now? And finally, a bit of art and culture. A new computer game has generated controversy because it depicts Hitler with two testicles. I swear I'm not making any of this up. You can look it up if you do not believe me. There's a new game called Sex with Hitler, and in it, the Fuhrer is running around trying to have sex with giant breasted anime women. But that's not what's offended people. In fact, what's generated controversy is the game depicting Adolf with both balls. This is contrary to rumors that have existed for decades that the creator of the Third Reich only had one testicle. Again, I swear, I'm not making any of this up. So anyway, if that's what you're into, watching a two-bald Hitler having hentai sex, then congrats, your moment has finally come. Literally. For the rest of us, maybe Russia will invade Ukraine and there'll be a global nuclear Armageddon and we can all go back to the Stone Age when things were simpler. That's all for this week's edition of News Weekly. If you like the podcast, head over to my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Shah, S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H. And please help me keep the podcast alive with a little bit of your donations. Otherwise, I'll see you right back here on News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. <laughs>